All right, so the Rangers got by the Flyers in the first round. A little scarier than I thought with my Rangers in five prediction, but they, they're alive. They're in the second round once again. This time now they'll, they'll face the Penguins, who they haven't seen in the playoffs now uh, since going back to the 07-08 season uh, when they were outed in six games. And joining me today to talk Rangers hockey with the second round set to begin on Friday in Pittsburgh, Rangers-Penguins uh, game one on Friday night in Pittsburgh, is Kevin Delory of uh, the New York Rangers blog, nyrangersblog.com. Kevin, how's it going today? Good, buddy. How you doing, Neil? I'm doing well. We haven't talked in now uh, a couple weeks since before the Rangers-Flyers series started, and we both wanted that matchup. We both wanted a Rangers-Flyers playoff series. Uh, did it live up to the hype and expectations that you had going in? It's funny. I mean, the series went seven games, but it definitely didn't have that sort of passion and hatred and emotion um, that you might have thought that a Ranger-Flyer series would have, especially considering that it went seven games. Uh, you know, you look at some of the other series, you know, the King Sharks game, they were really at it. I mean, the Avalanche Wild series was nuts with all the overtimes and whatnot. It, it just it it see it was weird it, that that it didn't have that that rivalry feel that you normally have with those two teams, um, but I think that that was the Rangers' game plan going in. You know, you heard it throughout the series. You heard Vigneault and the team continue to say we want to play whistle to whistle, meaning they didn't want to get involved with all that extracurricular stuff. Um, after the whistle that the Flyers love to do. They love to, you know, play that dirty brand of hockey and lull, lull you into that and bring you into that and get you off your game. The Flyers, they, they worked that perfectly two years ago against the Penguins, if you remember, where you had Sidney Crosby fighting Giroux, and, you know, it really took the Penguins out of the game, and I was really worried that the Rangers may fall for that in this series, but... You know, like I said, credit to Vigneault and the coaching staff for, you know, keeping the guys, you know, the eye on the prize and don't get involved with that stuff. And they, they did a tremendous job. I mean, they really sort of neutralized the Flyers and what they wanted to do coming into the series was push the Rangers around. The Rangers didn't fall for it, and, and I think it was a huge key to the series. Well, you bring up a good point there, and I, I sort of felt the same way that while it did go seven games, um, you know, looking back, if you think right, Rangers Flyers seven game series, you'd think it was you know some epic showdown. And with none of the games going to overtime, I think that was a huge surprise. And the other and the other fact that aside from Game Four and Game Seven, um, you know, their two plus goal game differentials, where uh, you know you had the two one loss for the Rangers in Game Four in Philly, and then you had the two one win. Uh, but even those games, they still didn't have that dramatic feel that you'd sense in a playoff game between the two teams yeah absolutely i think the only time i really had that like like nervousness like tension craziness was the end of game seven the final you know three or four minutes three or four minutes was was you know crazy intense i mean you know everything on the line the flyers scored that that third period goal it seemed like the rangers going to cruise into nothing and the next thing you know you know it was a nail biter so yeah, I agree. Even in the closer games earlier in the series, it just really didn't have that tension for some reason. But, you know, the, I really got the feel of it for the first time in the series. It was like three minutes left in Game 7. So, yeah, I totally agree. Well, with the Rangers now, uh, they had it at 3-2 when they went back to Philly for Game 6 and they lost that game, which is now uh, the ridiculous 12-game losing streak when, uh, you know, they're up in a series. And, 
you know, that's great when it happens against the Flyers or in the past uh, when it's happened, you know, against lesser opponents. But now when they're facing Pittsburgh, a team that if they play the way they played in this series, it'll pro- they'll probably be going home a lot quicker than seven games if they, you know, take some of the stupid undisciplined penalties that they take. But, you know, this is a trait that has to get solved and, and really has to get solved now if they plan on going any farther. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely inconsistent and, um, you know, throughout the series. And yeah, I mean, they're obviously going to have to step, step up their game. You know, I, I just wonder if that had a lot to do with just the opponent. I mean, the Rangers knew, you know, that the Flyers are a little bit more of a physical team and they really couldn't get out and, and speed as much as they probably, you know, would hope. You know, I think they're going to see a much better team against the Penguins because the Penguins don't play, aren't as good defensively as the Flyers are, they definitely don't have as good a goaltending, at least Mason-wise. I mean, Emery obviously wasn't that good, but you know, as far as Mason goes, so I think you're going to see a, a better range of team in this round. I think they're going to be able to skate. They're going to get their speed game going. They're going to be able to get some forechecking, uh, you know, in. And, and I think at least offensively, we're going to see a, a much better team, a much fluid, uh, much more fluid offense. So, uh, I feel good about the series. I, I don't like saying that. I mean, the Penguins are a great team, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I think you're going to see a, a, a much better, much more confident range of teams. Well, I agree, and I think you know when you look at Pittsburgh, it's almost like they're. Uh, you know, an elite version of the Flyers in the sense that, you know, they have the good offense, they ha- they have the special teams where if you take a penalty, you're, you're just screwing yourself over, especially against the Penguins' power play. Um, you know, they're a little weaker in that, like you said, with Fleury and Mason. Uh, but for the Rangers' sake, I mean, drawing the uh, the Flyers in the first round and now the Penguins here in the second round under this new NHL playoff format, it sort of has worked out, you know, the best possible situation for them because when you look at the other teams that are in the Eastern Conference playoffs, the Bruins and Canadians still alive and the Lightning and the Red is going home. It seems like the best two possible opponents for this Rangers team are the two teams they've drawn so far. Yeah, I, I mean, even before the playoffs started, and and I don't know if we mentioned it last time, and I know I said it on my blog a couple of times. I love the way it's set up for the Rangers. I thought it set up perfectly for them to get to at least the conference finals. Um, and and when they got there, they had a hope that maybe somebody knocked off the Bruins. So I, you know, you would think at this point are sort of unbeatable. At least they're they're head and shoulders above any other team in the Eastern Conference, including the Penguins. But yeah, I love the way it's set up for the Rangers. The new format sort of worked out perfectly for them. Um, where I think they're playing some teams that they can play with, you know, within their division. Obviously, they're going to be very familiar with these teams. But yeah, I I almost felt that I, you know I don't want to you know uh, I got to watch what I wish for. But I you know playing Columbus might have actually even been a, a worse team for the Rangers because they were a, a more you know a tougher team grinded out team which i'm not always sure that this range of team can play that type of style so i think that columbus you know they may have they probably would have had a harder time at least offensively you know against a columbus team i could have seen that being a real sort of back and forth heavyweight you know uh physical matchup and i i don't see that happening with the Penguins. i mean you're going to get the typical playoff uh, snarl to to the game, but I, I think you're going to see a real, uh, almost like a track meet in this series. At least I'm hoping for that because that would be that would be entertaining stuff. 
Yeah, I think that you know Columbus with the way they're built, mainly because they're built with a lot of former Rangers. It's almost like they're the exact same you know style of play as the Rangers, where goal scoring doesn't come so easy for them, but keeping the puck out of the net uh, certainly does. They've got Bobrovsky to do so. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think that would have been a harder matchup. And I think you know when you look at these playoffs, uh, the way that some of these teams are built, you know, you sort of can categorize the Flyers and the Penguins in the same class. And I think with the Blue Jackets, you know, they're more of that Ranger style of play or Bruin style. Of play obviously the Bruins on a, on a much better level but I think when you when you look at the Rangers you know if they could get by the Penguins here they're going to be looking at either the Bruins or the Canadians who you know I think are probably you know the best two teams left in the Eastern Conference side of the playoffs and they're very similar uh you know style to the Rangers but an enhanced version of the Rangers if you will um and I just think that you know if they could get by these teams you know they're going to have a real problem but I guess uh, with Pittsburgh here at first, um, like you mentioned, you know, with Flurry and Ned, with the with the weak defense, it's going to come down to the Rangers scoring goals if it gets to the track meet style. And I think the power play is going to need to come through at some point. And it's almost like John Tortorella is coaching the power play again. It's amazing how bad they've been in this series. I mean, it's, you know, because they obviously had a very good start to the year on the power play. It was actually the only thing working early on in the season. And yeah, as the season moved on, it progressively got worse. But now it's just, like you said, it's uh, it's like Tortorella and Sullivan is sort of back behind the bench again. Um, I, I'm not sure what they need to do. I, you know, it, became, it becomes very predictable what they're doing on the power play now. I mean, the Flyers made the adjustment where they were going to step up the blue line, um, not allow um, the Rangers to skate the puck in. And if they did, when the Rangers sort of turned back on the power, they were there. They had two guys on them, you know, got the guy, you know, in a tough position between the blue line and the board, you know, and they couldn't get it in. And and once they do, if they do, if they are able to set up and they were able to get in, I mean, they did a lot of cross-ice passes, which Philly was waiting for. I mean, they really need to change it up. You know, Arneal's got to, you know, figure it out here because it seems as though the book is out on, on what the Rangers are doing on the power play. You know, what would also help them is that they, you know, it would be nice if they won an offensive zone face-off. Um, on the power play as well. I mean, they won't have to worry about their, you know, entering the zone issues that, that they've had recently if they could just win a face-off and set up from there. So, you know, they need to figure it out because, like you mentioned before, the Penguins are going to score on their power play opportunities. They're too good not to. Um, so the Rangers are going to have to try to at least attempt to match, um, you know, some power play goals here because they're, they're going to get swept, um, you know, if they continue to, to, uh, not score on the power play. I mean, uh, they went over their last twenty, I think, in the series or whatever it was, something something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, if they want any chance in the series, I mean, they they got to figure it out. Going back to last year, you know, it's sort of the same rhetoric where the Rangers survived the Capitals in the first round despite Rick Nash not scoring a goal. Um, and you know, going back to last year, I felt you know if if he gets hot here, if he gets into the, one of these Rick Nash patented streaks, which are it's not just a theory; it's a proof in fact that he only scores in streaks at this point. Uh, I, I thought they'd get by the Bruins if he could get hot. He never did, and and they lost in five games. But now we're at the same stage here this year, where you know he's getting his points, he's getting his fair share of assists, but he still didn't score a goal. The Rangers were lucky to survive without their best goal scorer scoring a single goal in the entire series. So now I'm sort of at the same point where I was last year, where you know Rick Nash hasn't gotten hot yet, and the Rangers are still alive. And to that you know that same sort of theme, 
Henrik Lundqvist wasn't exactly Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, he didn't let in really any softies, and he sort of got, you know, he was hung out to dry a few times, especially with Simmons waiting on the far post. But, you know, neither of the Rangers' two best players really played to their level, and they're still here, and I think that bodes well for them in the second round if they could find their games. Yeah, I mean, you can get past, you know, Philadelphia or the Capitals last year without your best player playing their best game because, you know, you should have enough parts to, to beat those type of teams. But, yeah, when you when you go up against the Penguins and the Bruins of the world, you know, your best player's got to show up. I mean, I, I would find it very difficult to believe um, if Nash doesn't score in this series that the Rangers can win. Now, having said that, I thought he did have a good series against the Flyers. He wasn't, it's not like he had a bad series, you know, bunch of assists, you know, lots of, I think he led the team or he was tied for the team lead with shots on goal. So he was creating, you know, the game seven, actually, you know, he threw a bunch of, you know, like five hits, he had that big block shot. So, you know, he's doing other things, which is great to see. I mean, that's sometimes the problem with Nash. If he isn't scoring, he really isn't doing anything. So at least in the first round, I saw him, while he wasn't scoring, he was helping the team, you know, in other aspects, which is huge in the playoffs. I mean, everyone's got to sell out in the playoffs and do, you know, whatever you need to do to help the team win. But, yeah, now that you're going to, you know, step up in class here with, with the Penguins, he's gonna, he has to find a way uh, to get the puck in the net. I mean, you know, you could say, yeah, Mason had a good, you know, had his number and that type of thing. It doesn't matter. He he was brought here to score. Say they traded away some nice uh, – some nice uh, – pieces, Dubinsky and Anisimov, Erickson, a first-round pick to bring him here to score. You know, he didn't bring him here to get a couple of assists and, you know, ha- you know, shots on goal. You know, he was here to score goals because the Rangers couldn't do it a couple of years ago and against the Devils. So um, he's got to find a way to step up. And, and it's really, it's really going to, if he doesn't step up, I think, in this series, it's really going to hurt his image in this town. I, I think it's, it's hurt. It's, Bad right now. I mean, you see a lot of fans, you know, on social media, really killing the guy almost every game, and and a lot of it is unfair. But you know, if he can't find a way to score in this series, and the Rangers are swept, they lose, you know, four to or in five games, four to one. Uh, it's gonna be a long off season for him. I've never said anything negative about him, only because you know, I back in the 2012 trade deadline, I was ready to give up everything for him, and I would have given Kreider, I would have you know thrown Stepan in there at some point, and they sort of got away by stealing him in that off season. But uh, you know, I just think he doesn't deserve the criticism that he you know has been getting uh, because, like you said, he was creating chances in Game Seven. You know, he looked like an all-around player. He was banging bodies, playing great D, uh, had high-quality scoring chances. The puck just wasn't bouncing his way. But um, at some point, maybe I need to rethink it and look at myself for not being negative on him and, and think maybe everyone else is right and maybe I'm wrong about him. Yeah, I mean, he does need to score. I mean, I, I, he was brought here to score. You know, it, it, obviously when you're in the playoffs, the main goal is to win. Now, if the Rangers win the Cup and he doesn't score, I, trust me, I don't care. You know, but I, I find it unbelievable that the Rangers would be able to get that far without him getting hot. You know, like you mentioned, he's become a very streaky player. So you just have to hope that that one of those streaks starts, you know, tomorrow night in Pittsburgh, um, and and he could, you know, for the first time. And and I think this is where a lot of fans get get on Nash um, is he's yet to really, you know, put the team on his back, you know, and get them to to you know the next level. You know, whether it was last year against the Bruins. Um, just, you know, throughout the season when maybe they go through a lull, you know, I got this guys. 
Um, but you know he's capable of doing it. You saw it in that Columbus game that he does have that fire. You saw it in the game seven. He does have it. I think that's what frustrates Ranger fans the most because we know it's there. We know he has that ability to take over a game, and you just don't see it enough. And it's frustrating because you know how good he is, and he's out there, and he looks very aloof out there sometimes. And you know, I don't want to say he's not trying because I know he is, but it almost has that feel. I, I did a blog post last week, and I sort of uh, related Nash's uh, relationship with the Ranger fans the way Beltran's was with the Mets. You know, you talk to a lot of Mets fans about Beltron, and, and like, yeah, yeah, he was good. He he probably had some of the best statistics of any Mets player, you know, in the history of the franchise. You know, but he just he just had that way about him um, that for whatever reason fans didn't relate with, and it's the same way with Nash. He doesn't deserve you know, all the criticism, but at the same time, you you feel like he's not giving you enough. He's not giving it his all, and and that there's more there, and he's just not digging down deep enough. You know. So that's the guy I think everybody's waiting for, hoping for, and and that the Rangers are going to need in this series. Well, also on the team, uh, on the defensive side, it's going to take some players stepping up. And McDonough wasn't himself, obviously coming back from injury. You know, it might have taken him a few games to get back into the rhythm. Uh, he wasn't as good as as he was at his peak during the regular season when he was healthy. And, uh, you know, his defensive partner there, Dan Girardi, who I've been a huge critic against in the past, uh, who was awful in the playoffs last year, uh, really inconsistent for a lot of this season, and, and really turned it on after the post-Olympic break. I remember when we talked about it once, you know, I praised him um, for the way he played in the stretch run when the Rangers got hot and, and, and ended up making the playoffs. But, you know, he was as bad in that Flyer series as he was in the Bruins series last year, and I just don't know, you know, how this team would be able to survive going forward if that top defensive pair is going to keep playing so, you know, poorly to the point where, you know, you don't even feel comfortable when they're out there that they're going to, you know, keep the puck out of the net. I don't know. I, I think that Girardi was inconsistent in the series. I think he, I think he had a very good game seven. I thought he was good early on. I think he had a bad middle of the series. Um, but yeah, again, you know, similar, everyone's going to have to bring their A game in this series. You know, what, you know, while McDonough and Girardi didn't have, have the best series, Again, you were able to have your sort of secondary guys and who aren't even secondary. And, and I know the two of us have our, our problems with Strawman. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll um, but get the, to him. <laughs> but, the, you know, and just quickly, the Stall Strawman unit really stepped up their game, you know, in this series. I mean, they were, you know, almost the MVP, you would almost say the MVPs of the series, the way they were able to, you know, shut down Giroux and that line, especially in, in Philadelphia when. Uh, Baruga was trying to get that line away from McDonough and Girardi. So, you know, again, you can get away with that stuff when you play in Philadelphia, but yeah, McDonough and, and Girardi are going to have to find that, uh, you know, find their old form, um, if they're going to want to beat the Penguins. And, and I think that Girardi, you know, his game, you would think, and, and, you know, again, I, I'm not as critical as, as maybe you were in that series of Girardi, but I think his game is just perfect for the playoffs, you know, I mean, He's a shot blocking, um, you know, tough in front of the net type of defenseman. And, you know, that that's the way you have to play in the playoffs on defense, and and that's the way he's going to have to play against Pittsburgh. I mean, the 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 reason why Columbus sort of you know made that a series against a much better team is that they played tough, they played physical with the Penguins. I mean, Dubinsky was all over Crosby that entire series; he didn't score. Um, so that's that's the type of game that. Uh, you know, the Rangers need to play, and, and Girardi, I mean, that's Girardi's game. He has to play his game. 
Um, so, yeah, it, it, does he need to be more consistent throughout the series? Yes, but, uh, you know, I, I think if he could play the way he did down the stretch, you know, they'll, they'll be looking good. And as far as McDonough goes, yeah, I think the shoulder still hurts. I mean, he looks like, he looked like a different player in, in the series than we had seen all year. I mean, he was, you know, in my opinion, a, a legitimate Norris Trophy candidate. And, and in this series, he looked like an average defenseman. I mean, he was making, you know, uh, mistakes that you just weren't used to seeing from him. So, you know, hopefully as, you know, the, the playoffs go on, that the shoulder, you know, heals up a little bit more, gets a little more strength in it. You saw when Zuccarello came back with the broken hand, it took him, you know, a couple of weeks to get, you know, back into the swing of things. So I'm just hoping it's the same thing with McDonough. Well, you brought up Strawman, so I guess we'll talk about him. And <laughs> I, I think at this point, AV is going to keep the lineup, uh, you know, aside from the Carcillo flip-flops, which we'll also talk about. I mean, I don't think there's anyone defensively that's going to break into this lineup. If Strawman can keep dressing and keep playing, um, you know, with as poor as he has been at times, and, you know, he did step up, he did look better in Game 7, and I guess if you're given enough chances as he is, eventually you're going to look good at some point. But I feel like Rafael Diaz might as well just go home for the summer at this point. Yeah, I mean, again, I thought Strawman was fantastic in the first round. He really stepped up his game along with stall and they were a big key to the series for the rangers um yeah i i can't imagine that that uh Vigneault would be looking to change anything on the blue line i thought i thought maybe in the game seven he he might have thought about diaz only because the power play had struggled so mightily but that that would have been a tough spot to put him in you know defensively when the unit uh those six guys had played you know the entire series up to that point but yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a, a situation unless there's an injury or just someone's game completely falls apart that you're going to see, you know, Diaz at any point. But, uh, yeah, Strowman's been good. I, I wonder if he's sort of playing himself into a, a nice little contract with the Rangers next year. You know, I, I didn't think he was he's was worth some of the money that I've seen, some of the numbers I've seen thrown around or that he was – you know, declining a, a $3 million a year offer that the Rangers gave him. I was like, if he doesn't want that, see you later. But who knows? Man? You know, you know, if he can continue to play that way for the rest of the playoffs, hey, I, I, I may be on board for him coming back for a couple more years at $3 million per. <laughs> well, I got to think that after what happened in Game 7, Carcillo's played himself into the lineup for, the, I, I would say, the rest of the playoffs. I mean, the guy's got two goals in three games oh, with God. limited time. You know, he, he's definitely been a difference maker when he's been on the ice. And I know people have talked about the Carcillo effect and, you know, joked about it to some point during the entire season. And maybe he doesn't have the effect of winning that, that some people do believe he has on the Rangers. But there's definitely a difference when he's on the ice, when he's in the lineup. He brings a, a certain type of energy. Um, and, I mean, the guy's got two goals and, and, you know, scored in game seven against his old team. I mean, how can you scratch him again? Yeah, he's actually – I'm just – almost shocked at actually how good of a hockey player the guy actually is. I mean, I thought we were just getting some, you know, some idiot from the, the you know, Kings who I remember Fort Gabrick, you know, who would just come in there and start fights and, and maybe, you know, bring in a little toughness that the team needed. But yeah, this guy can actually play. He, he scores some, some big goals, you know, during the year. If you remember, he had the big goal in the, in the Yankee Stadium game against the Islanders and Obviously, he's come come through huge in in the playoffs in the first round so far, and you know, I, I don't know what happened at the end of his tenure with the Flyers, but they do not like him. I mean, <laughs> Simmons, Simmons especially when the two games that 
that Carcillo was in there, it looked like Simmons was only concerned about going after Carcillo and where he was instead of scoring. I mean, the Vigneault took him out of the lineup to put Miller in, and then, you know, Simmons scores that hat trick because he's not worried about Carcillo on the ice anymore. Put him back in the lineup, you, it, I, it seemed like uh, Simmons was a healthy scratch in game seven. I didn't see him out there. So, you know, he's he can have that effect on the game, you know, where he is a good hockey player, but, you know, he does have that little agitator side to him still, obviously. You know, I'd love to see him out there against the Penguins chirping at Crosby, chirping at Malkin. You know, those two guys can get can get thrown off their game a little bit. They're they're two emotional players, you know, and, and if things start going bad and then you've got sort of Carcillo chirping in your ear, you know, while you're down in a game, you know, that could set them off a little bit. And I mentioned the the series earlier today, that Penguins Florida series, you see that this Penguin squad, who is who's it was very similar to that squad. I mean, they haven't lost that many guys from from two years ago. You know, their main core is still there. They can get rattled. I mean, we've seen them get rattled before in the playoffs. So, you know, I think Carcillo is 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 a big key going forward for the Rangers now. You know, the question is when when Kreider, you know, is healthy and ready to come back, and and it doesn't sound like he's coming back. This series, I mean, the guy is, is barely even shooting at this point. But you know, when he comes in, the question is, you know, who comes out? You know, is it Carcillo? Is it Dorsett? You know, is it maybe Haglin? You know, Haglin's bringing the speed and he brings a nice forecheck, but you know, he, he hasn't been scoring. So, and I, I know it's a long ways away, and a lot can happen between now and when Kreider is is ready. But you know, Carcillo is is playing himself into a permanent spot in the lineup for sure. Well, before that. Uh... The last series before the Flyers series, we talked about what we what we thought would happen, what we expected to happen. Um, I had the Raiders winning in five. That obviously didn't happen. I have them winning in six in this series. And, you know, I don't think going back to the regular season or at least the beginning of the season, I would have thought that the Rangers, um, you know, were built to beat the Penguins, especially not in the playoffs. But, you know, I just happen to like this matchup and I feel confident about it the same way I felt confident about last series. Uh, the same way I felt confident throughout that series that the Rangers would find a way to get it done, and they did in Game 7. And, you know, there's just something about the way these two teams uh, match up, the way they played this year during the regular season, that, you know, this isn't the way it was a few years ago when the Rangers played the Penguins um, in the regular season or in the postseason uh, when they weren't able to get the job done. And I just think that, you know, I think they have the upper hand here, and I think if Nash can get on this streak that I've been waiting for him to get on in the playoffs now the last two years, and if Lundqvist uh, is, is Lundqvist, if he was even just as good as he was in the Flyer series, I think the Rangers uh, will advance to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Yeah, I don't think the Rangers are scared of this Penguins team. Like, I think that in their heads, they know that they can play with the Penguins. I, I'm not sure they felt that way last year against the Bruins. You know, they went into that series hoping, you know, that things would break right for them and they would win. But I think, you know, again, you throw the regular season stuff out the window, you know, when you get to this point. But still, you know, the Rangers played, you know, I think they split the season series this year too, too. And, but the Rangers played them tough this year. So I, I think in their heads that they, you know, uh, they know that they could play with the team. They know that they could beat the team and that they're confident, um, going into the series. And that's huge when you, when you have that confidence going into a series, you know, sometimes you're, you're able to overcome a little bit there when you're playing with confidence. Um, that, that's a, always a good thing. I put something on the blog today, too. This Rangers team, they, they got a lot of guys sort of confident, um, in the big spot. You know, they, they want to be on that big stage. They, they want that pressure. They, they thrive on that pressure. Guys like Richards and St. Louis and Dominic Moore, who, who had a tremendous series. 
you know, Dan Carcillo said, you know, I love being on the big stage was his quote last night, you know. So that that bodes well for this Rangers team, not even, you know, for those guys to play well in the series, but just everybody in the locker room to see that presence in there, to see a guy like Richards, you know, embrace the moment, you know. That's good for a guy like Zuccarello to see that and, and uh, you know, to have him step up his game even another notch. Uh, not that he has to after that sweet pass uh, to Carcillo in Game <laughs> 7, but... Um, yeah, I think the mindset of this team, this Rangers team, is where it needs to be to take on, you know, uh, you know, a powerhouse like the Penguins. All right, Kevin. Well, before I let you go, you know, with the news that John Tortorella is fired today, uh, along with Mike Sullivan, and uh, while the Rangers and Elaine Vigneault now go on to the second round, I mean, what do you think the future holds here for Tortorella? Because is there a team that's going to be willing to give him another chance? He's been fired in back-to-back seasons. It's been a while now since, you know, he's established himself as, as a guy who's consistently going to win, even though, you know, he did have, have some good times in New York and, and did finish above 500 with the Canucks. But I feel like at this point, you know, people aren't going to want to put up with the antics if, if the return is not as good. I think that he needs to be in like the perfect spot. I think he needs to take a year off probably after everything that happened to the Rangers and then right to the Canucks and it was just a disaster. I thought, you know, from the beginning, that was just a terrible spot for him. I mean, you have a disciplinarian going into a, you know, a veteran team, you know, an established team, you know, set in their ways. And you thought that, you know, the Sedins were going to all of a sudden be blocking shots and, you know, they were going to play this hard four checking, uh, you know, defense, you know, pack it in defense. So, yeah, I, I, I was shocked when I heard that he took that job to begin with. And, you know, that was just destined for failure, but I think in the right spot, he'd be perfect. Sort of like a young, underachieving team, maybe like the Oilers. You know, the Oilers just got a new coach last year, although they seem to get a new coach every year. <laughs> um, but, like, something like the Oilers, uh, maybe like the Florida Panthers, that type of team, sort of a young, underachieving team that he can come in, you know, build that sort of foundation, um, you know, bring that toughness, that, that mental toughness that they're winning, that structure. Um, I think that that's a perfect spot for him, and he would succeed in that type of environment. But he can't go to, like, an established team. Say the Rangers bounce the Penguins this year and the Penguins fire Bilesma. You know, Tortorella's name is probably going to come up. I think that would be a terrible spot for him because I think it would be very similar to the situation in Vancouver. He needs a young, scrappy team that he can sort of give them, again, that structure, and I think that's the perfect type of spot for him. So I think he still has... I was going to say, I think he still has, uh, you know, some more, some more time in the NHL coming to him. Well, it would be nice to see him go to Pittsburgh and ruin Crosby and Malkin and turn him into, you know, grinders who are going to put their face in front of slap shots. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Ne- never would work. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, thanks for joining me. Hopefully, we can do this again, maybe throughout this series at some point, or uh, if not, definitely before the next round, if the Rangers are still alive, and maybe if they're not, uh, we'll look back and wrap up this uh, wrap up this season. But I think they'll still be alive, and I think they'll be facing either the Bruins or the Canadians in a couple weeks. Sounds good. I'm with you, man. Although I got it in seven games because they don't win series in anything other than seven games. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Thanks again. All right, buddy. Later.